Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Who feels smarter after watching that educational video? Do you, do you a little more informed about where babies come from? Well, good morning, whether you're joining us live or online. My name's Rick, one of the pastors here. So glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. Where did you first learn about sex? Who, who had the talk with their parents? Who, who, that was your first experience with your, with, with your parents? A few people in the room, a lot of parents not doing their sex talks. Okay. Who is really happy they didn't have to first learn about it from their parents, right? Yeah. You're like, thank you. Not a, didn't want to have that conversation. Who learned about it on the playground? Anybody here from their friends? On the, yeah, you learned all kinds of wonderful things on the playground. Here's a terrifying thought for parents these days. Who first learned about it on the internet? Yeah, you found out about all kinds of sex uh, topics and things on the internet. I was, I was talking with a friend of mine. He was a former youth pastor. And he was leading a junior high, grades 6, 7, 8, a Sunday school class. And the topic for the morning was the effects of sin. And he's like, I'm a youth pastor. I don't need to look at this lesson before I get there. So he gets all the kids around and they said, okay, open up your Bibles. I'm going to get one of you to read the passage. Youth pastors, we always do this so the kids don't fall asleep. So they open up the passage, Galatians 5, 18 to 21. And this kid is trying to read this passage. And here's what Galatians 5, 18 to 21 says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. The kid's going on. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and org... Org... orgies (laughs) orgies <laughs> he goes pastor what's an orgy <laughs> youth, pass, youth pastor's like oh my gosh what am i going to do so he goes um go home and ask your parents that that that'll do it. and the kid's like nah i'll just google it and he starts typing it into his phone he, no don't google that in, in church don't google that anywhere so it's it's a it's a different day and age that we're living in and there's sexuality has become this complicated issue in our world because we have access to all kinds of information images videos thoughts we have been pervaded with all kinds of teaching and instruction and opinions on our sexuality and we're being pulled in ways that we were never intended to be pulled in. Over the last couple of weeks here in our province, we know we've had this big debate where the conservative government comes in and they said, we need to make some changes to our, to our health curriculum. We need to go back to the way that it was being instructed in 1998. And there have been all these changes that have been made because we realized kids in 1998 weren't dealing with things that kids today in 2018 are dealing with. So then, But then there's a whole bunch of people saying there was good stuff in there that we needed to leave in there. And people saying, no, but there's stuff in there that I don't want my kids exposed to. And so we had all the happy people who are now angry and all the angry people who are now happy. And we don't know where we're going to land. But what we do know is that there's some confusion and there's some debate on where we're supposed to be because our society is pushing back on the boundaries of sexuality, basing it on this premise. Here's, here, here's the premise we're making this decision. That the greater the level of sexual freedom we can have, 
the greater degree of, of sexual fulfillment we will have. I want to repeat that. Here, here is the premise that our society is basing it on. The greater the level of sexual freedom we have, the greater degree of sexual fulfillment we will have. And so we start to ask these questions. Why does marriage have to be the boundary for my sexual relationship? Why should society or why should religion or really why should anyone be able to set a boundary for who I am and my sexuality? How is expressed? With whom it's expressed? When and in what relationships it's expressed in? And if you are open, what we will see is that the Bible, this 4,000-year-old book, has wisdom that is applicable for today's modern issues, the things that we're wrestling with right today in 2018. And in this summer, we're going through a series, we're calling it Uncommon Sense. And what we're, what we're looking at is, is there wisdom and sense that we might have pushed aside, and if we just could narrow it down, get the truth out of it, it could simplify our lives. So we're going to look at PG living in an R-rated world. And we're, I'm going to encourage you to open up your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7. We're going to have a few scriptures. Some of them are in your notes. Some of them are on the screen. And just have those chapters open. Now, Proverbs was written by Solomon, most of the book. And Solomon is a father, and he's trying to communicate wisdom to his son. And here's where he gets into the topic of sex. And he says, son, there's a danger when you begin to fight for a greater degree of openness and freedom in your sexuality. And, and this is a man who is not just speaking out of his own personal wisdom and wisdom that was gifted to him by God. This is a man who is speaking out of experience. Do you, do you recall Solomon's life? His father David, his father David was the king, his father David was married, and he saw a beautiful neighbor. And he said, I want that woman as my wife as well. So, so he so he brings that. So he brings Bathsheba into his house, and he sleeps with her. And she gets she gets pregnant, and all of a sudden, the consequence is going to happen. What what's what's David going to do? So he manipulates Bathsheba's husband, who is who is in his army, and says, "I'm going to put you at the front of the army," and ends up being killed. What we would call manslaughter in our society. And then they're going to have this child, but this child ends up dying brokenness that ended up from sexual freedom that was trying to be expressed. So then their next child is Solomon. And Solomon is one that would eventually take over, take over the kingdom. But as that kingdom's being passed to Solomon, there's conflicts within Solomon's half-brothers, Ammon and Absalom, and there's conflict and fighting and death that happens in that family. And all of those boys were born again from different mothers all resulting from this freedom of sexual expression. And now we have Solomon, who is king of the United Kingdom of Israel. He's living in extreme wealth, extreme luxury, extreme power. And what we know about Solomon's life is that he has 700 wives and 300 concubines. And if you don't know what the term concubine means, it's a term that was given to a woman that, that the man wanted to sleep with, but he didn't want to be in a sinful relationship, so he made her a concubine. Not quite a wife with the same privileges, but it prevented them from being, in their eyes, what they would have deemed sin. And Solomon stops and he says, I got to step out of this and talk to my boys because there's a lot of danger that they might be stepping into. Now, just to be clear... Solomon is obviously a man who lives by the principle, do as I say, not as I do, right? He's like, at which hundredth wife did he realize that he might have a problem and things might not be going the way that God intended for him? He's not living the design that God had for his life. And he said, yeah, 
I need to talk to you about this, boys. And furthermore, he's laying out this paradox. It's that sexual freedom, sexual fulfillment doesn't come from sexual freedom. Here's where it comes from. The greater, he says, no, he says, the greater the level of sexual freedom that a society embraces, the greater degree of betrayal and brokenness its people will have opportunity to experience. I want to say that again. This is what he's laying out. The greater the level of sexual freedom that a society embraces, the greater degree of betrayal and brokenness its people have the opportunity to experience. And we fight so hard to push away any boundary that somebody might put on our sexuality, thinking that it will bring us more fulfillment, but really what it's doing it is opening up an opportunity for us to experience hurt. And Solomon wants his sons to figure this out before they fall into the same traps that his father David fell into, before they fall into the same traps that he fell into. So we're going we're gonna to take some notes this morning about uncommon sense from the Proverbs about our sexuality. So whether you're taking a pen and paper or whether you're just doing it on your apps, we're going to get going here. Three points. Here's the first one. Is that sexuality is actually a gift to us from God. Many people would look at faith and religion, and, and it's an attempt to put a restriction about how we would make our life choices and a restriction around our sexual lives. But restriction is a very poor word and a very poor understanding of this because the design of our faith is to receive fullness of life. Not to have a restricted life, but to be, receive a full life, which includes a fully satisfying sexual life. Let's go to Proverbs as Solomon, as Solomon is writing. Proverbs 5 and 18. He says, enjoy the wife you married as a young man. She's lovely as an angel, beautiful as a rose. Don't ever quit taking delight in her body and never take her love for granted. Now, married men in the room, if you have a wife sitting beside you, I want you to look at, the, I want you to look at your wife right now. Just turn, stare deep into her eyes. Right out of the scriptures. Think of these words. Your wife is as beautiful as a, as a rose. She is your angel. Never quit taking delight in what? In her body. Never quit. And never take her for granted. Now, now, some of us get uncomfortable with these conversations that we're having in church. And if you're uncomfortable with that, just be thankful I'm not speaking out of the book of Song of Solomon this morning. Because if you want to get really uncomfortable, Song of Solomon chapter 7. There's all kinds of discussions about fawns and, and towers and wheat. And you just read that later on home and then you get really uncomfortable. So this morning we're just going to stay in Proverbs. But what we do need to understand is, is this. There's an entire book of the Bible and massive portions of Proverbs, or book of wisdom that is dedicated to just teaching us how to have a sexually fulfilling life. This is God's design for us. And in fact, he didn't design it just to be for bodies. He designed it to be for our entire beings. This is what Jesus taught us in Mark 10, 7 and 8. It, it explains why a man leaves his father, he's joined to his wife, and then the two are united into one. They're, they're no longer two, they're actually one being. And our society has reduced sex to an expression of passion between two people when they feel the mood is right or when they feel they're in love. Our creator designed sex 
Not just to join together physically, but to join people together emotionally and spiritually into one being. And, and Solomon sees this pitfall not only in his own life, but for his son's lives. And as they're going to navigate their own relationships and marriages, he says, guys, watch out. Because there's going to be people, and in fact, it might, only, it might even come from you. You're going to be enticed to act differently than the design that God had for your lives. And there will be people, or you might be enticed to prioritize instant sexual pleasure over prioritizing the expression that God intended for you. And here's what he said, this is, this is what's going to happen in your life. In Proverbs 7, 15 and 16, he says, there's going to be someone that's going to say like this, so I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you, and I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt and enticing you into this experience for a moment of pleasure outside of God's design. You know what I find actually when I'm talking with most people is that, is that temptation in this sense actually comes from the best intentions. Temptation comes from two people that, that conclude that if we love each other and we're in a committed relationship with one another, then the natural culmination, the natural expression of our love is to have sex with each other. And we forget that that's not how God designed it. He, he, he designed us for, success, for sexual fulfillment and he designed us for freedom, but he designed it to be with one person, not just joined physically, but our entire beings, for our entire lives. That's why the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 13 and 4, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. And this is our design for full freedom in our sexual lives. But that leads us into our second thought is this, is that sexual compromise, so outside of this, it always results in brokenness. And it's not shocking that we have an increase of difficulty in successful, long-lasting relationships because the freedom of our sexual expression has increased. It may not feel like brokenness right away, but it always leads us into a place of brokenness because we end up giving pieces of ourselves, our body, our minds, away to other people. And, and, and we understand this in the moment. We start to understand, you know, I may be giving 100% of my body right now, but you may not be the only one that I'm giving that to, so I need to hold back part of my, who I am. And that's outside of our design. And then hurt begins to come in. And somewhere along the line, we decided that, that a greater degree of sexual freedom would benefit our lives. We, we, we would love life more if there weren't these restrictions. Because we think... More ability to express sexually means I'll be happier. And doesn't God want us to be happy? This is the thought we have. But you know, I sat with way too many people who have felt betrayed because they were cheated on. Who feel that their, their whole life, their, their whole family has been broken by things that have happened because of expression, freedom, uh, the freedom of sexual expression. And we discover that more often than not, somebody that's doing that, they're not doing it with wrong motives. They're doing it because they say, well, I, I love this person and I just want to be with this person. And it never comes from a place of wanting to hurt, but it ends up leading us into this place of brokenness. 
And you know that I have never once sat with a couple who have only ever been together with each other and dealt with that same conversation of betrayal, hurt, and brokenness. There's, there's other things they may be dealing with, but I've never had that conversation of the brokenness and betrayal when it's just been one couple who have been together from day one. Because compromise from God's plan is what leads us into this kind of brokenness. And this is what happens when the very thing that we thought we desire becomes destructive in our life. Here's Solomon's having this, he's having the sex talk with his sons, Proverbs chapter 7, and he, and he, he starts to use some great imagery, verses 22 and 23. At, all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, is what he says. Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a little snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. He's saying, boys, it's going to be like you're powerless, and and, and you're walking into this trap, and and you don't really know what's going to come, and there's nothing that you can do to to prevent it. It's going to feel that way. But the reality is, we aren't powerless. We are able to do it. And the the response that we need to have is to say, I am going to prioritize God's design for my life rather than a moment of personal fulfillment. And that's the battle that's happening. That's where we become powerless or powerful. And remember, this is a man speaking from a place of experience. He tried to find a way around God's plan for his life. He said, I think... I, I, I know that God said sex is going to be designed for marriage, husband and wife. So I'll just marry multiple women like other people around me in my culture is doing. And God should be okay with that. He found a way around it. And just because we can find a way around something and justify something, just because we can doesn't mean we should. We know this, right? Just because I can do something doesn't mean we should. This is Paul writing in, 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 the, in Corinthians 10 and 23. You say, I'm allowed to do everything, but not everything is good for you. I'm allowed to do everything, but not everything is beneficial. And this is what Solomon realized. Even if I can find a way to justify it, it actually may not be beneficial for my life. Consider our world in the past year. How many individuals have had their entire lives destroyed because of sexual freedom? Think about the Me Too movement. People who were wanting to express themselves sexually however they wanted to into a place of abuse and hurt. Everything of their entire life had been torn down. Think about just relationships that we've seen, whether it's been cheating or betrayal or hurt. Their, Their lives ripped apart because they wanted to express themselves in a way sexually outside of one husband and one wife. And it begins as a thought in a young person's mind. And every young person in the church especially has had to, ha- had to wrestle down this thought. And here, young people, I'm going to read your mind for a moment. Here is the thought. Is, does God really not want me to have sex before I'm married? That is the thought that you will wrestle with. Is, is, is a document, piece of paper, and a commitment before God, is that really important before I express myself sexually? You know what the answer is? The answer is a resounding yes. That, that is God's plan and will, not for your restriction, but for your fulfillment in your life. Because what we do is we begin to build a pattern of permissioning ourselves into levels of freedom in all, in all different kinds of areas, but specifically of sexual freedom that we decide God should be okay with. 
right? We say, God, you should be okay with how I want to express myself. I am in a committed relationship that I know is going to lead to marriage so we can enter sex into this relationship because I'm committed to this person. You're good with that, right, God? <laughs> Cal's not good with it. <laughs> and we, but this is the argument we have with God, right? And, and we say, say God, you don't, you don't understand my spouse doesn't love me anymore. My, my spouse doesn't treat me right. And this person loves me. And this person is, is going to be there for me. I can enter sex into this relationship, can't I? God, I, I, I love this person. And this may not be the design that you had for, for, for my life, but, but I love them. And they love me. And this is what love looks like, God. We wrestle with them. And we say, and we say God, can you be okay with what I want to do rather than looking at God and say, God, you tell me what will be the best plan for my life. This is the wrestle we're having. And any level of sex outside of marriage is compromise. And compromise always leads to brokenness. We can go all the way through scripture and see this because this is not a problem that is a a, a non- God-honoring person problem. I want you to go to Abraham, the father of our faith, the one who, who God blessed. And I want you to think, God had a plan and he said, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have as many offspring as you can count stars in the sky, as you can count grains of sand in your hand as you walk along through the desert. And there was one thing that was missing from his life for God to fulfill that plan. And what was that one thing? A child. If, if you want to have many offspring, you have to have at least one offspring. And so he said, I need to make sure that God's plan is fulfilled in my life. So he, he and Sarah, night after night after night, tried to make this a reality in their life. Oh, that poor man, I don't know how he survived night after night after night for years trying to make God's plan fulfilled in his life. That poor soul. <laughs> And no child. Yeah. (laughs) And no child. So what does he do? He made a permission. He said, I'm going to make an exception because God would want this. So I'll sleep with Hagar and we'll have a son. And the root of brokenness for generations that we still feel today, repercussions from today when, when when that split happens. Now, Abraham was still blessed. Ishmael was still blessed. But brokenness from compromise. We've looked at David's life. Brokenness that came out of that compromise. We looked at Solomon's life. Do you know that Solomon was the last king of a united kingdom of Israel? It broke apart after that because there was brokenness that was passed down from his life. And and listen, this is... This is Solomon speaking to his kids, and he says, I don't want your life to end up in chaos, guys. We can insert any name that we want to know from our families, from our friends, from our co- even our own life. We see the brokenness. Sexual freedom is not free. (laughs) It ties up our entire lives. Or here's how Solomon wrote it in Proverbs 6. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. And adultery is sex outside of marriage. Whoever does so destroys himself. Now, I want to pause here for a minute in the midst of a heavy, heavy message this morning. We don't serve a God that actively seeks to make us feel guilty. You know this, right? God doesn't bring his spirit in to make you feel guilty. This is, this is not what this is about. We serve a God that wants you to know freedom. 
We, we serve a God that says, I've got a better way for you to do this. And if you've experienced any of this hurt, it's not about you feeling bad. It's about you living free. And I'm actually really excited that this fall we're going to be offering a series from a group called Pure Desire that's out of the, out of the Western U.S. And they're going to lead, we're going to walk through a series called the Conquer Series. It's a book and it's a, and it's a study about learning the roots of, of godly intimacy and, and a good godly view of who we are and, and, and our relationships. And this is a tool that we can begin to walk through. So if you're experiencing any kind of brokenness in your sexuality, you go, I want to get into a group like this so we can talk about it, so we can live free. Because it's not about feeling guilty. It's about walking in freedom. That's what the scriptures do for us. It's not about saying, I really feel bad about how I lived yesterday. It's about saying, I want to live free today. And that's the purpose of why we have this, have a message and, 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 and a study like this and why we go into a series like this. Because here's the uncommon sense we need to apply to our thinking. Sexual wholeness is rooted in godly wisdom. And fulfillment is found when you place your sexuality, one of the most intimate parts of who you are, one of the most intimate pieces of your entire being, and you submit it to God's direction. Let me ask you this. Do you truly believe that God has your best at heart? So will we trust him to put a boundary on one of the most intimate pieces of who we are? This is what faith looks like when it's lived out. It's taking the essential pieces of who I am and allowing God's word to shape it and God's word to give direction to it. It's the paradox of scripture that there is freedom found only in boundary. That there is wholeness if we can understand the restriction that's there for us. Do you remember the first time you watched an R-rated movie? Do you remember? Now, I know some of you are very spiritual people. You're like, I've never watched an R-rated movie. So for the rest of us, <laughs> do you remember the first time you watched an R-rated movie and, and you were finally allowed to see things that you had previously been sheltered from? And you said, I, I, got, I got to watch this movie and I, I'd never been allowed to do it before. And this is what it begs the question. Why did we determine as a society that at 18 years old, we are old enough and mature enough to start entertaining ourselves with violence and sexuality and nudity and all, and all these things that, that, that are not beneficial for our, our lives. And God says, God looks at you and I as his kids. And he says, you're never old enough to push the boundary of your sexuality. You're never old enough to start exposing yourself to stuff that's going to hurt you and hurt you as a development, as my child. And all too often, our world celebrates the very things that God's word tries to censor from us. And we will never reach that age when it becomes a good thing for us. So this is why it begs the question of trust. Do you trust your design of freedom? Or do you trust God's design of freedom? Proverbs 7, 1 and 2. Solomon says, My son, keep my words. Store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. This is, this is, the, this is the paradox that he, lives up for, that he lays out for us. 
keep a boundary so that you will live free. And listen, this is not for us to impose on someone else. This is for us to look and say, God, how am I living? God, what, do, what change do I need to make? And here's our, here's our response this morning, is I want to take a few moments and just pray and let the Holy Spirit identify a thought, a habit, a mindset, an area in my life where he, where he says, Rick, you're actually out of line of my word here. And I'm not here to bring guilt. I'm here to bring you freedom. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that your word corrects. I thank you that your word gives life. I thank you that your word brings freedom. And Father, I ask that all across this room, anyone listening in online, that that this would not be a moment of guilt. Our enemy, our attacker comes to make us feel shame and guilty. But as we celebrated communion earlier, you brought us freedom. And in the name of Jesus, I pray you bring freedom to all of our lives, our minds, our relationships, and we would walk and live and experience that freedom. But in a moment of reflection, Lord, would you identify an area where we need to be free? Where we have held on to something, where we have held on to a thought, a need, something where we needed to be right. Lord, we lay it down on an altar and say, it's death now. We give that to you. We want to receive your freedom. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. And Lord, help us to walk free every day of our lives. And I ask this collectively, all of us, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.